And support for WMNF comes from listeners like you and USF Safety Florida, committed to reducing work-related illnesses and injuries for Florida's small businesses. Information and consultation appointments are available at usfsafetyflorida.com. The opinions presented on the Healthy Steps show are the evidence-based opinions of Dr. Fred Harvey, the callers, and his guests. These are not the opinions of the staff, the volunteers, or the board of WMNF. The information provided on the show is not intended to diagnose or treat any disease. There is no implied patient-physician relationship in these calls. The nature of the calls is educational and informational only. Good morning, my dear friends, and welcome backstage to the Healthy Steps Radio Show. I cannot thank you enough for keeping your radio dial tuned to WMNF Tampa. I love you people. Dr. Harvey is joined today by Dr. Bruce Patterson. Dr. Patterson was formerly the Associate Professor of Pathology and Infectious Diseases and Director of Virology at Stanford University. And he's here today to discuss the first diagnostic process designed to identify patients with long COVID. If you have any medical questions related to today's topic on COVID and the fascinating and rapidly expanding field of single-cell diagnostics, you are encouraged to participate by calling 813 813- Two three nine nine six six three, or send an email to dj at wmnf.org. You can also text us at 813-433-0885. Welcome to the Healthy Steps Radio Show, Dr. Patterson. I'm sure that Dr. Harvey has quite the laudatory and well-deserved introduction for you, so for our listeners to tease and entice them, I will shine a broad light on where I think the discussion is going. Diagnosing long COVID and all the ambiguities because many of the symptoms that are associated with long COVID, including fatigue, brain fog, shortness of breath, insomnia, and a wide range of cardiovascular issues can easily be mistaken for conditions like post-Lyme, fibromyalgia, and even the common cold. I'm looking forward to today's show as I would look forward to a good detective story. And no, I have not forgotten you, Dr. Harvey. Welcome to your own show. I hope that you had a spectacular weekend, and I'm turning this over to your capable hands now. Take it away. Thank you, Bill, for another wonderful introduction. And, um, well, this is a a really interesting day. Um, Mercury has gone direct, and supposedly communications are better, but I think the storm's still happening because um, this is the first time I've been dissed by a guest. Have no communication, no idea where, what, when, or how, but fortunately, I love this topic, and I do my research, and this is going to be a Dr. Fred show today, talking about the very thing that Dr. Bruce Patterson was hopefully going to show up and have a wonderful discussion about, but he's disappeared in action somewhere. So That scoundrel. Yeah, yeah, I really love his brain, but I'm not sure who takes care of his calendar, because they sure as hell screwed this one up. Um, anyway, I... Um, I think that uh, uh, Dr. Patterson's brilliant, and I wish he were here to shine some of his brilliance on us, but this man has done some really cool things. He, he's done some really groundbreaking science in um, uh, cellular pathology. He's a pathologist, and, and he understood that there was stuff going on inside the cells that we weren't quite sure was happening and really didn't know some of the mechanisms. This guy wrote uh, like 150 manuscripts and chapters articles in science scientific american and he's been cited in public media for many years his um initial work was in hiv um what he helped us understand is that there are cellular reservoirs of the virus 
And that was a key finding that helped us understand how that virus destroys the immune system. And what he discovered is there's a little known or yeah, not really little known, a well-known, but not talked about much subset of white blood cells. You know, HIV seems to be a T lymphocyte virus. It seems to destroy the T lymphocyte population, which is how we get the immune suppression and all the problems that come from HIV. But it's a chronic inflammatory condition too. And that's really the the thing that tears down all of the other organ systems. And so what he found out is that this subset of white blood cells called monocytes actually harbors um, a, a, a the reservoir of the virus. It holds the RNA of this virus inside of its cell membrane. And so there's a reservoir then that when um, these cells die, the T cells can get infected and continue the process. Very key, important information because it also revealed why the original medications, which did help, were not highly effective and needed to be taken like every three hours. So um, that was really key. Um, so he spent many years doing this work in um, um, cellular immunology and found that it, you know, it crosses over into other areas of concern. So he founded a company called InCell Diagnostics. And it's a pioneer company in immunology, in immuno-oncology, uh, which is the use of these um, antibody therapies against tumors and other immunologic manipulations, and also in infectious diseases. And so he's looked at things like severe COVID, long COVID, and the relation of uh, immune markers to these processes to help us understand the evolution of the pathophysiology of COVID. It's been critical because now we understand much more about how the virus SARS-CoV-2 induces the um, immunologic condition called COVID. I've said it before and I'll say it again right now. Beta coronavirus is not a killer. Beta coronavirus is really unlikely. It's, it's not likely to have killed more than a couple of people. It's COVID, which is an immune response, an aberrant immune response that actually causes the problem. And that is the issue. It's an immune challenge that kills the people. And so his lecture that uh, was really powerful back in October at the Designs for Health CASI conference, um, he followed Dr. Richard Horowitz on the stage uh, on a powerful morning. And um, Dr. Horowitz was on the show a couple of months ago, and he uh, laid out um, a lot of this information for us. And Dr. Patterson came on stage and continued on with a talk on the pathogenesis and treatment. Here's the thing, treatment of the chronic inflammatory conditions that include long COVID. And so the nature of his um, um, exploration for us was fascinating because I see two major problems that patients face currently when dealing with chronic inflammatory conditions. The first and the biggest hurdle for the patient is that most conventional doctors do not acknowledge the reality of these conditions. 
They have been poo-pooed for too many years. And the uh, medical establishment really doesn't want to hear about it. The Infectious Disease Society won't talk about chronic Lyme because it's actually, and I, I agree with them, it's not a chronic infectious disease. However, it responds to chemicals that act like anti-infectious chemicals. It's a really complex situation here, but the bottom line is they act like they've been infected. They have most of them been infected. And so the fact that there's something going on after what our, you know, Western paradigm understanding of infection is, it's, it's, they can't grasp that there's something going on after the supposed infection is gone. Secondly, the practitioners who are practicing 21st century medicine, like functional medicine, and natural practitioners who understand process of the body and who recognize that these, recognize these syndromes as real, they are having difficulty, like I have had difficulty for many years with specific diagnoses. The specific diagnoses are hard because we really have so much overlap and we've had no really good specificity in laboratory testing. So there's such a similarity with post-acute SARS-CoV-2. There's post-vaccine injury, Lyme, post-treated Lyme disease, chronic fatigue syndrome, myalgic encephalopathy, as the Brits would call it, fibromyalgia, and mycotoxemia all have a similar overlap in symptoms. Fatigue, brain fog, shortness of breath, myalgias, neuropathy, neurologic breakdown, dysautonomia, tachycardia, <clears throat> arthralgia, gastrointestinal disturbances, burning sensations, hot and cold sensitivities. The bottom line here, vascular inflammation is the common connection. <clears throat> and uh, that is really the fascinating piece here because I think most people are aware that we've been hearing about cardiovascular events in allegedly young, healthy people. We're hearing about clotting events in people that have never had a clot, strokes out of the blue. These are all vascular events. And the most important concern here is that it's not being caused by infection. We can't treat this specifically trying to treat an infection. We have to treat the inflammation. Um, and it's interesting that hydroxychloroquine treats inflammation, ivermectin treats inflammation, um, and many other interventions, even, even, um, um, the antibiotic, uh, that has been touted as being useful in this condition, uh, Zithromax, uh, azithromycin, that, that actually is also has some anti-inflammatory properties. And so <clears throat> the, um, test, that Dr. Patterson developed is a very interesting test. And he, he was looking at immunologic markers. Um, many of them, they're called cytokines and interleukins. They're the, they're the molecules of communication of inflammation. <clears throat> but, you know, it's really complex to look at these things. And we are really fortunate to be in the age of artificial intelligence because the amount of data that comes through the test that Dr. Patterson has developed is way too much for a human to recognize patterns with. So after some 35,000 or 40,000 patients tested, 
The machine learning has helped us to understand the process on a much deeper level and to understand molecular mechanisms at a level of uh, completely unheard of in even the very recent past, a couple of years ago, we couldn't do this. And so we have a, a totally new technology based on artificial intelligence that's helping us understand the process in the body. And it's just so exciting to me to see that we have this. I mean, there's other purposes out there uh, uh, now. I'm, I'm sure people have heard of chat GPT. It's fun. It's fabulous. But it's for right now, it's fun. But this AI that Dr. Patterson is using is very powerful and very useful for human health. And I want to remind everybody that we are listening to the Healthy Step Show. And this is on WMNF 88.5 Tampa. Oh, brag a little bit and tell everybody your name. We're doing this with Dr. Harvey here on WMNF, and you're encouraged to participate in this great conversation by calling 813-239-9663. Irene's waiting in the control room for you. You can also send emails to dj at wmnf.org or text us at 813-433-0885. Back to you. Take it away there, doctor. Thank you. So this is just such an exciting new era in, in health. And, and uh, we can real, this is opening doors onto all kinds of new things. And, and Dr. Patterson's company is looking at different approaches for cancer, all kinds of different things. But this one for me ties it together because I'm Doc Detox and uh, the toxiflammation guy. We Toxicity and inflammation are what drive all of our chronic illnesses. So if we can put the blanket on inflammation while at the same time getting rid of the toxins, we're going to have people thriving. And so looking at this whole new hypothesis of post-infectious inflammation is really fascinating. Um, or even post-exposure inflammation, because you don't have to have an infection with a mold. You have the mycotoxins from the mold that will trigger the same sort of syndromes. And so um, the hypothesis that Dr. Patterson has put forth is that inflammation, and this is specifically um, right now um, in, in the post-acute SARS-CoV-2 syndrome, that the inflammation is being driven by the spike protein. This is really critical because the spike protein persists in this subset of monocytes. The spike protein is not infectious. The spike protein can't replicate itself. And so the persistence of spike protein, the persistence of antibody reaction doesn't mean you're infectious. So, you know, after 10 days post uh, infection, after you you're 10 days into symptoms, there's really very little chance you could be infectious. So it's really pretty pointless to continue putting swabs in your nose and checking to see if you are making antibodies to COVID because your antibody production is going to go on. You could test positive for three months, three years, but it's not showing any infection because it's just showing the persistence of inflammation. Because once you develop the antibodies, you no longer actually shed live virus. And we know that the spike protein hangs out for a long time and that can create both piece that that'll create the PCR problem and the spike protein triggers an immune response that'll create the antibody uh, uh, rapid test 
issue for those nasal swabs. So even if you do PCR, you're still potentially going to find persistence of spike protein even when you're not infectious because it hangs around. And we also know that this actually occurs in Lyme disease too. There is a peptidoglycan, a, a protein sugar that only occurs in certain things like funguses and these weird Borrelia um, spirochete organisms. We don't make them in our body. So it creates an alarm, an immune response. These persist in the white blood cells. These will cause ongoing inflammation. Here is the source for chronic Lyme disease. We have the answer more than likely. This is hypothesis, but it looks like it's actually beginning to pan out because there is some really interesting inflammation, information that comes from uh, Dr. Uh, Patterson's uh, research. Um, uh, and he has actually published that the there is persistence. He has a, a paper called Persistence of SARS-CoV-2 S1 Spike 1 Protein in the CD16 monocytes. That's a specific subset of monocytes in post-acute sequela of COVID-19. And so they can last up to 15 months post-infection. And here's the cool thing. You can actually follow those spike proteins down as you treat the person watching their chronic COVID syndrome go to bed. On that, I think we have a caller. We do. We've got Gary, a very loyal and um, great caller, but I'm going to abuse his patience for just a little bit longer and give on out the phone number and encourage people to give us a call at 813-239-9663 or send your emails to dj at wmnf.org. And to Gary, he's got a question regarding HIV. Good morning, Gary. Hello, good morning, guys. Hey, Gary. I am, uh, I'm walking to Walker, and I, I fell and broke my ankle. Oh, no. I went to a hospital, and now I'm in rehab. And in rehab, I caught the virus. This says to me, I tested positive. So as I talk to you right now, I'm in isolation. And this is my sixth day of 10 days. And of course, I have to be busy doing things now to keep my life insane here. Or my life's not insane. And um, one more question I have. Do you, a couple of questions I have. Number one, do you think after 10 days, I will test negative? Um, I don't know. And it's, it's irrelevant. Um, I wouldn't let them test you again at 10 days. I'd tell them no, because it's irrelevant. (laughs) I've been 10 days in isolation. I'm no longer infectious. Have a nice day. Second question. Um, do you think they will need a shot every year, like the flu shot for COVID? Well, I think they're going to continue offering this madness. And, um, you know, some of the symptoms I had uh, when I just got to isolation, I had a runny nose, drippy nose, I had congestion, and I had um, uh, uh, some, uh, something else, I can't remember. But, um, but anyway, um, I feel good now. I believe in science. I got all my shots, and which, um, which um, I have two boosters and everything. Which helped me big time. 
Yeah, that that's ter- ter- much very much reduced the severity. It's uh, eliminated your risk of dying from it, and so yeah, you're in in good position. And now that you've actually had um, a uh, uh, you've caught the virus, your natural immunity plus the uh, injections gives you uh, a good fifteen to eighteen months of natural immunity, where no further shots really would be required because the CDC has already published data that if you have shots and um, 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 an infection, your risk of having uh, hospitalization or severe illness is nil, like zero. So you're in great shape at this point, having survived six days of it. Uh, it's not likely you're going to get severe because you've had shots. And um, I hope friends have brought in your natural protocol with the vitamin D and zinc and vitamin C and and uh, uh, quercetin and and curcumin, all those good things to help you get better. Oh well, um, I'll tell you what. Um, it's in in isolation. I read, do magic tricks, um, I do art, I exercise, so I feel like it's my home here for 10 days. And um, I only uh, I can only feel what it's like to be a prisoner for many years in jail. It's like in one room, you know, um, no no um, social skills, nothing. So yeah. There's no way to get over this. Well, you've had six days of what poor Julian Assange has had six or plus years of. It's pretty sad what uh, is happening to that poor man. No kidding. Okay, thank you, Doc. Hey, you're welcome, Gary. Have a great week. Okay. Thanks for calling. Okay. And get better, buddy. Okay, thank you. You're welcome. So um, we have a really, um, um, there's so many things that Dr. Uh, Patterson has produced. Um, the, the one, the article that uh, actually is uh, uh, published uh, based on his test is called Immune-Based Prediction of COVID-19 Severity and Chronicity Decoded Using Machine Learning. So here he's published the proof. It's really fascinating. Uh, I've put those uh, onto um, the uh, the blog page and the really, um, uh, it's just so interesting where this is, is going. He has... Um, um, also um, uh, published, um, uh, or actually other people have published um, now uh, evidence and proof. So in science, um, uh, 20 January, just this week, in rare cases, coronavirus vaccines may cause long COVID-like symptoms. Hear that? Published in science, they're finally admitting it. Coronavirus vaccines cause long COVID-like symptoms. And we have the mechanism too. And Dr. Patterson's um, uh, test looks at these markers that have crossover. And uh, the crossover uh, uh, between these different markers um, um, can actually show a pattern which would indicate which uh, disease you might have. And there's a process by which it has, uh, by which it works. Um, the main pathway um, that this goes to, and it's fascinating because he was working on this with AIDS or with HIV. There's a receptor on white blood cells called the CCR5 receptor. Uh, people who have um, the uh, CCR5 Delta 32 mutation um, actually cannot get infected with HIV because that receptor is necessary to bring the HIV uh, into the cell. And if you have the mutation, it doesn't hook up and you can't actually then get infected. It's a very small part of the population, you know, 0.001% or something like that. But um, 
but what we found out is that the CCR5 and uh, it works, uh, uh, it, it gets stimulated by a specific pathway called fractalkine. Fractalkine is one of those communication molecules. It's a uh, chemokine, chemical movement. It asks white blood cells to do some action. So anything with a kine on it uh, makes things happen. And so this chemokine is actually on the vascular lining cells, the endothelial cells. And when these, um, when the fractal kind is expressed because of the inflammation, monocytes stick to it and cause um, release of other markers. So uh, CCR5 stimulates VEGF, which is vascular endothelial growth factor. This is getting complex, I know, but um, just so you, to help you grasp the, the immense nature of this and why it affects so many different people in so many different ways from so many different triggers is this similar common pathway of vascular inflammation. And so the VEGF gets stimulated, it vasodilates. That's one of the reasons we get the symptom of brain fog and head fullness and headaches and migraines. Um, another couple of communicators, IL-6 and IL-8, cause joint and muscle pain. A, and here's the key. This is vascular inflammation at its best, and this is where the clotting comes from. SCD40L is a platelet stickiness protein. And so when this comes up, and it comes up in almost everybody with these syndromes, um, it stimulates fatigue, dysautonomia, neuropathy. Um, and also shortness of breath. So all these symptoms are coming through common vascular pathways. And the algorithm that has come up with machine learning has actually been able to differentiate based on the pattern of each one of these many, there's, there's 13 of them, I believe, 14 uh, different things that are checked and the pattern will tell you what you have. In fact, I had a patient um, uh, a couple of months ago I was a bit stumped. This patient had already gone through uh, coronavirus and she had um, uh, all these symptoms, just like I described. And we did the uh, COVID long haul test and she come up negative on the COVID long haul marker. We didn't do the S1 protein because it wasn't available yet, but that's coming up next. But I didn't need to because I already knew she had mycotoxins on board. And that was the question. What has she got going on causing the inflammation? The pattern came up as mycotoxins. So we knew which way to treat. We weren't going to go down the pathway of treating the um, COVID because she'd already got over that. But again, this is Dr. Fred Harvey. We're on WMNF 88.5 Tampa, and this is the Healthy Steps Radio Show. Yes, and our topic today is on long COVID and all of the uh, nuances of it. And you're encouraged to give us a call at 813-239-9663 or continue sending your emails to dj at wmnf.org. And you can also text us at 813-433-0885. And Irene has just reeled on in John from Sulphur Springs. Good morning, John. What do you have for us, John? We'll come back to John in a minute. I think we'll have to do that. In the meantime, um, I want to know if there's anybody out there in Radioland that has 
a thought that they might have post-treatment Lyme or chronic Lyme, if they have chronic fatigue syndrome, fibromyalgia, um, mold toxicity, or post-vaccine injury, or post-acute SARS-CoV-2. Let's talk about it. In the meantime, Dr. Patterson's group has come up with some interesting thoughts about treatment. And it's based on this whole new algorithm of looking at the nature of the inflammation ongoing. But I'll get back to that because I think John is ready to talk. Yes, we'll wait to make him wait no longer. Good morning, John. Hello. Hi, John. Hey, how are you? I've got a question about melanoma. I spent a lot of time on the beach down in San Diego and uh, about three years back was diagnosed with uh, melanoma. And they did two operations in two weeks, and uh, they didn't get it the first time, so they had to go in again. And uh, then all of a sudden, you know, like I caught long COVID, and uh, I got all the shots and everything, but I still had all the symptoms, and I was like couldn't walk 15 feet without feeling like I need to sit down and breathe. It's getting lighter now. I'm coming out of it, but I was wondering that, Three-year interim since I had the operations for the melanoma, uh, they, you know, I just didn't go back. I didn't want to be around anybody when COVID was going on, so I stayed away and still kind of staying away. I've got other things that you know I'm going to do medically, but blah blah. <laughs> so uh, they said they got it all, and I was uh, melanoma-free. But then I asked them. I said, "You mean for that particular mold, which means that uh, you could." have it in your system and have other molds that they didn't check out or whatever. But anyway, what I'm asking is what kind of progression would take place under the worst circumstance in a period of third years or three years for melanoma? Well, um, I'll address that a different way. Um, what preventive protocols have you been doing to keep your body healthy so your DNA doesn't deteriorate into another cancer? Well, they haven't uh, you know, really given me any medicine or anything for it. They didn't do it. Well, have, how about you? Have, have you explored? Oh, I drink, yeah, I drink soy milk. I don't do sugar. I stay away from, uh, you know, things with heavy fats and stuff like that. I do the 97% fat-free stuff and try to keep as much, you know, eat a lot of Cheerios and stuff. Did, like you, that. Know, did you know that there are actually nutritional supplements that actually alter your course in cancer and can actually change your body's response, yeah, help I've you not that. get any, and actually even eliminate some that are there. Well, the situation, I've been eating cabbage and trying to stay with uh, as veggies as much as possible, but since Excellent. they started extorting and ripping off the public and using excuses, you know, send a hundred and billion dollars over to Iraq. I mean, I, you I think that's, 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 really, that's really not relevant to what you're talking about. What, what we're talking about here is doing things that actually will promote your better health. And I would suggest that you actually consult with a functional medicine doctor, a functional medicine oncologist, uh, or a functional nutritionist to help you get on a very specific anti-cancer program. Because I can tell you there is really good evidence in the literature that a supplement called sulforaphane in high dose actually prevents and reverses um, uh, melanoma growth. 
There's evidence in the literature for this. It's called sulforaphane. Um, a brand name for it is called Oncoplex. Um, you should really do some more exploration because these very same things actually help treat long COVID too. And you might want to look at um, the uh, uh, Dr. Um, um, uh, Patterson's uh, site called covidlonghaulers.com because you can actually find access to the test there. But I, I tell you, many functional medicine doctors are doing this test too because it's really important. So I would, I would get more proactive. You're already doing great things with your diet, but I'd do more because uh, with one cancer, there's a possibility of another one following it up. Well, yeah, I don't know all of those things because I'm a regular old person. I, I try to do the veggies and the well. I understand you. I understand you milk. don't. I understand you don't know those because you're a regular old person. I'm saying contact a professional who does know these things to help guide you through the rest of your journey. Well, you know that's a thought because whenever I had the operation and stuff like that, they didn't tell me nothing about nothing. Well, of course they, they don't. You know, like uh, they just they just do surgery and send you on your way. That's a sad situation, but it's true. It's like a milking station, you know. Unless you get into it to the point where you've got the money to go and be consulted and stuff like that, most poor people don't have that. So you know, I take your advice and I will inquire because I have a colonoscopy coming up and oh god and i hate it and really don't so want it oh too i would, go to, I would go to the website i would go to the website um ifm for institute for functional medicine.org because if you go there you will find a physician finder to find somebody right local to you that does this kind of work uh-huh all right well that's you know food for thought but now the progressional thing that i was speaking of to begin I, with that this what is the answer. What kind of progression would be expected if you still had it in your system? Which I don't think cutting a mold well, out you, will take it, it out of your blood system. Well, so evidently, three years out, it's probably not in your blood system, and you would have had a brain tumor, a lung tumor, or a bone tumor by now. So I think you're good there. I would Boy. go and get um, some supportive care. Have a great day, right. John. Thank you. Good luck with that journey. Bye. Bye bye. Right. So I have a um, I have a uh, email here from, um, let's see, Gib says, "Good morning, champions of well-being. My son may have long COVID, had COVID three times, twice after vaccination. The second time he was hospitalized with something they call multiple system, I think failure probably, um, and uh, usually comes on about ten days after COVID and attacks the body. This is definitely evidence I can tell you of the chronic inflammatory condition. He got very sick, was in the hospital five days, and uh, then they discovered that actually one of his worst problems was a reaction to one of the antibiotics. And it's interesting because antibiotics don't really treat this situation. Um, since then, he seems to stay tired all the time and would sleep all day if he could. Um, his immune system seems weak, and uh, until all this, he was quite healthy. He's 15 years old. He never should have had uh, injections, and um, that probably has created some of this inflammation. Let's see. We do know that he had... Let's see. That doesn't make a lot of sense. Um, we have an appointment with a blood doctor to check hormones, but this isn't about hormones. This is about chronic COVID or chronic post-COVID syndrome. And, and this is an inflammatory condition. And um, seeing a blood doctor is not going to do much unless the blood doctor actually does the COVID long hauler test and actually does the treatment necessary for that. Um, so um, I would actually really um, consider 
seeking out someone who knows the COVID long haul test, go, go to covidlonghaulers.com and access the test. Um, I use it, uh, uh, all the time in the office and it's really an important intervention. I think we have callers on the line. Yes, indeed we do. We've got Chris. Welcome back to the show, Chris. Hi, good morning, doctor. Um, hey, Chris. I, hey, uh, yeah, thanks for the great info. And uh, I, I uh, from that last letter, I want to make the point that, you know, someone who might deny that someone was injured um, just isn't just as compassionate. It's ableism. Yes, and, I agree. Yeah. And, uh, you know, filthy pharma fascists, uh, which, is really corporatism, the merger of corporations and government. Um, they're not yes. going to, um, for the illness that they that's induced by their product, they won't give remedies or let alone diagnostics to find if their products for the culprits. So I've come across some diagnostics. I wanted to ask what you thought of for of those who are suffering from whether it's COVID or uh, more likely the COVID shot. Um, you know, blood viscosity tests, uh, you mentioned that, uh, troponin. Uh, to check the heart inflammation to see if somebody might be um, subclinical, undiagnosed uh, myocarditis. You know, if they overexert themselves, then they might suffer a heart attack, like uh, seen so many athletes and young ones lately. Uh, yes. D-dim- D-dimer test to check for micro blood clots. Um, and for immunity, uh, checking for a CD4, CD8, CD lymphocyte. Um, and uh, what about uh, some... Um, Remedies like natokinase, I've heard several doctors recommend a protein digesting enzyme that will break down the uh, spike protein, they claim. Uh, 25,000 uh, FUs, fibrinolytic units per day. I had a doctor, Derek Roscoe, recommend. Um, and uh, oxygen therapies, I've heard several doctors, uh, well, I've heard several doctors recommend antioxidants. Uh, I know um, the most powerful antioxidant is molecular hydrogen. Um, you know, from freshly ionized alkaline water, which uh, is a form of oxygen therapy. But, uh, you know, what about these things that might not just break down the spike protein, uh, but also, um, you know, so, uh, since fungus are all anaerobic, can't survive in the presence of oxygen, same with um, the majority of harmful bacteria and viruses. Uh, so I think oxygen therapies would be a, a great uh, treatment Um so those are some really good points. Let me address some of them. Um, proponent, definitely a, uh, a, a thing to look at for heart muscle dysfunction. Um, cardiac dysfunction is occurring in this syndrome. Um, and I would consider doing that if somebody appeared to have some heart failure. I don't think it's going to drive my therapy directly, however. Uh, D-dimer uh, looks at uh, basically kind of blood thickness because it looks at um, the the clotting factors uh, in a way that shows that they're being activated. And that is uh, important. Um, and blood viscosity also. Um, not many people use that test. It's it, And it's um, um, so it, it may or may not be of value in this as well because and also CD4 and 8 cells. We know uh, the pattern that CD4 and 8 goes through in this. Uh, but again, it may not be really of any great significance in watching people as they recover from the problem. Because what Dr. Patterson's information has revealed to us is that indeed we have this very specific pattern going on. And the pattern uh, involves monocytes and CCL5. And so this common link is is the thing that drives the infection. And so the um, um, uh, interesting uh, um, 
choices of medications that Patterson's group has come up with, I, I find actually very interesting because uh, first, um, we know that there's one statin, rosuvastatin, that actually has an indication for lowering C-reactive protein. C-reactive protein actually reflects, again, the viscosity of the blood. So if we just treat with a statin, we know we're going to reduce viscosity, and it does it by um, lowering fractalkine to decrease the monocyte binding, and that actually has now evidence in Dr. Patterson's work that it reduces the clotting events. So yes, you hear Dr. Fred Harvey telling people that if they have long COVID, a statin is a good drug for six to 12 weeks to change the process. I'm not saying stay, stay on statins forever, but this is possibly going to save your life and regain your energy and get rid of the brain fog and the pain and the fatigue. In addition, and this is another cool thing, I'm so glad that Dr. Patterson started his research career in the field of HIV because he has found that a out of patent off-label medication called Maraviroc, which blocks CCR5, is actually another therapy that works. And using Maraviroc or Maraviroc and statin, he is finding that the spike protein is going away and that the COVID long hauler index is dropping with statistical significance in the range of nine zeros, which means you can't refute this data. So, yeah, I totally agree with you. That is also, Chris, another thing we can do. We can add these other things in like natokinase and other proteases that help clean up the system because, uh, and Dr. Dr. Patterson completely supports the use of the nutritionals in addition to the medications. This is true 21st century integrative thinking on healing humans. So use the uh, anti-inflammatories like uh, curcumin and quercetin, the antioxidants, vitamin C, get vitamin D on board, zinc, all these things support the vascular system to make it healthier so that the Maraviroc and statin can actually do the work too and really heal the people. How's that sound, Chris? Well, oh, I didn't know about uh, beneficial um, statin uses for, for COVID. It's cr pretty cool, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, well, I know, I know you yeah. Years ago, I've heard doc, uh, doctors say, "Well, everybody should be on statins." But uh, yeah, well, <laughs> I, I remember um, Doctor Doctor Dwayne Graveline um, is a NASA doctor who pioneered some of the uh, statins uh, development uh, back in the fifties. And of course, yes, you know, they used to have CoQ10 included with it because they knew it depleted CoQ10 and that caused a lot of people muscle and uh, amnesia, mental problems. Um, you know, like for him, he talks about his problems. SpaceDoc.com is his site. Uh, his, he's the late Dr. Dwayne Graveline. Uh, he wrote uh, Lipitor, Thief of Memory. Um, so I just think folks, you know, if I were to take one, I'd take uh, CoQ10, ubiquinol being the better form rather than ubiquinone. Agreed. Um, but, um, and, uh, you know, and also, uh, you know, the proteolytic enzymes on an empty stomach, I forgot to mention that. I think they you know, have the best results. Uh, they do. Know, I agree. And the, the measuring of the spike protein um, does not stay in the deltoid like we were told. doesn't stop being produced as far as I can tell from all the studies that, you know, the, as long as the studies last, they, they're still measuring the body's producing the synthetic genetic spike protein. Well, actually, we're not sure that it's actually continuing to produce it. What Dr. Um, Patterson's work has discovered is that these CD16 monocytes are a reservoir for the protein. They hold it in their system. And because it's in their system, it actually uh, 
derails something called apoptosis. And apoptosis is pre-programmed cell death. So these monocytes, these CD6, CD16 monocytes that hold the spike protein actually are immortal. And so they keep circulating around and dropping off more of the spike protein, pissing things off. So it's oh. probably not being more produced. It's, it's actually being carried around by this immortal cell line that is, is you know, aberrantly acting. Oh, well, uh, you know, I'm, I'm looking at the Walgreens uh, COVID-19 data tracker and they show that COVID shot recipients after uh, 12 months since their last dose, they seem to decline in their incidence of COVID. So uh, I would like to see a breakdown of 13, 14, 15 months. Maybe that's what Dr. Patterson has, has uh, studied. There. But, um, you know, these, uh, um, you know, these, the Japanese studies show that the spike protein uh, concentrates in the ovaries and the testes. And, and I've seen uh, at least eight months that, uh, you know, according to that study, that, that uh, they persist. So, you know, we're, we're yeah, just... Yeah, but immunologically, in the, in, in the CD16, 15 months is what he's saying. So th this is a really big thing. Great input, Chris, but I think we have another caller on the line. Thank you. Indeed Thanks, we do. And thank you, Chris. Thanks again for calling on in. We've got Toot from Palm Harbor on the line. Good morning to you there, Toot. Hello? Hello there. Hi, Doc. Uh, I don't know why they always get my name wrong, but it's Pete. Pete, how you doing? For some reason, everybody calls me Steve. Maybe, maybe uh, that's what I should. Maybe you should have a show on mispronunciation. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, hey, listen, I won't take up too much of your time. I'm going to Argentina and Chile for about three uh, three weeks or so, and uh, I've already had the three COVID shots. Uh, but I'm wondering about with all this discussion that I've just listened to. Um, I was actually going to get on the uh, you know, get on the list to get a COVID booster here in the next few days. Mm. Um, and I'm thinking, oh, hmm, uh, what are your thoughts on that? I'm, I'm 69 years old. I'm in great shape. I just came back from a nice six-mile run. Um, and I'm doing a dry January, too. Very good. <laughs> well, with three boosters on board, I would uh, grab a... Uh, a pile of uh, uh, the FLCCC protocol on or, or the Functional Medicine Florida protocol for t uh, 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 support and prevention of viral illnesses. And I would also ask your doctor for a prescription for some ivermectin to take along with you just in case you happen to get sick. Wow. Uh, so would you think that I can't hear you. That getting a booster shot at this point is a good idea. I mean, I, I you know I had. I think it's superfluous, actually, and probably injurious. Really? Yeah. Yeah, because look I mean, at the I, evidence. <laughs> yeah, I made it all the way through, and um, you know everybody around me got it, but I did not. And um, I don't know. I mean, it's um, they seem to be pushing it very heavily. They do. Yeah, it's a good marketing campaign. Merchandising yeah. is really important for this uh, uh, product. Wow. So uh, I haven't always been in great health, but, um, you know, thanks to you in part, thank you. Um, you know, I've, I've changed a lot of my ways. And, um, yeah, I'm in pretty good shape, but I'm still 69 years old. And, um, you know, I'm just wondering about, you know, going down to, so you, you, you don't think it would be helpful? Uh, I, I think, I think you, you could get, get your, um, um, uh, prevention protocol and um, you know that your biggest risk is actually going to be on the plane because 
Any plane yeah. flight over an hour and a half increases your risk by about 100%. However, um, it goes from uh, a 1% chance on a less than hour and a half flight to a uh, 10% chance or something like that, a thousand fold. So in, in a, in a over three hour flight. So wear a mask. They, they do work even though people don't think they do. I mean, they, they, they actually, they're better if you are sick and, and preventing. And um, um, uh, so, yeah, I think, you know, for the most part, um, uh, you know, most of the world's have been shot up now. So, uh, you know, transmission rates are down. Um, I think uh, if you have prevention, if you have treatment, um, I think you're in a good place. Yeah. Um, wow. Okay. Interesting. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm going to have to, uh, you know, look into that. But uh, I'm, I'm glad you're having this show. I'm uh, perfect timing because I was ready to uh, go and get one today or tomorrow. And, Very good. Well, have a safe trip, my friend. Enjoy and um, stay healthy. Yeah, thanks, Doc. Appreciate everything you do. Have a great You're day. We, you're welcome. Keep taking those healthy steps. So um, we have, uh, oh, um, I wanted to mention that it's a couple of quotes that Dr. Um, Patterson gave at the last talk. One, chronic inflammation is the next pandemic. It is the current pandemic and it's ongoing. Um, monocytes are the reservoir for infectious garbage and really are the source of this chronic inflammation. Um, and here we have another thing that this is where the argument comes with the uh, uh, International Lyme and Associated Diseases Society versus the uh, uh, infectious diseases society, and that is persistent virus versus replication and, and replication comp competent, meaning that do we have ongoing virus and or bacterial infection that needs treated or are we actually missing things because we use the PCR and see too many of these potential infections instead of using proteomics like Dr. Patterson is using to find the patterns that reflect the inflammation and not the infection. So I, at this point, I'm beginning to believe that there is not really a chronic Lyme infection, but a chronic Lyme inflammation. And Dapsone and other treatments like that actually do treat the inflammatory syndrome, even though it's supposedly an anti-infectious uh, issue. I have a poem from Robin. In my garden, I do pray, grateful for a brand new day. So much life all around, in the dirt I find my ground. A little ant or a snail will lift me up, never fail. Nature's creatures, big or small, all play a part, there's never a wall. For only humans have the need to acquire things through fear and greed. Nature knows to take its time, everything has a rhythm, a rhyme. Human beings need to listen to this lesson. We should, Kristen, a clearer journey, a higher love. We need to follow peaceful dove. In my garden for this, I pray, please, today, a better way. Thank you, Robin Zoller, always lifting up my day. Yeah, thank you, Robin. So the um, nature of this infection, inflammation, is just astonishing me. And the fact that we have somebody who's actually come to the forefront with new information that's going to help change the way we deal with this is so exciting because I love practicing medicine in the 21st century because we have all of this wonderful information. 
We have one more email. I've taken atorvastatin, a statin drug, and metoprolol and clopidogrel since 2017 after having open heart surgery. Is there any way to stop taking any or all of these medications? Well, Joe, in Dover, I would actually consult with a functional medicine doctor and one who does advanced or the American College for Advancement in Medicine's chelation therapy program for vascular health. The trial to assess chelation therapy published in 2013 is uh, published and available online in the Journal of the American Medical Association. It proves that chelation therapy reverses heart disease, re decreases your risk of death from all causes and decreases the need for a, another cardiac surgery or stent. Take a look at it. Um, check it out on Functional Medicine Florida's website. Um, next month, I believe I'm going to be doing a masterclass on functional medicine, detox, why you need it, how it works. Um, so uh, look for information on that on the blog spot. Next week, we're going to be talking with a very good friend of mine, Dan Cardalicchio. He is a uh, chiropractor in New Jersey, and he has a weight loss approach that is fantastic. We're going to talk about all the things that go into why you can't lose weight and how we can affect those things so that you can have successful weight loss and achieve a lifestyle that maintains that weight off. So you can thrive, thrive, thrive. Join um, us next week. Yeah, so I'm looking forward to that. Hopefully he'll show on up. I think you just did a a master class today of just winging it. So congratulations to you, Doc. Thank you. And so until next Monday at 10 o'clock, I'd like to say thank you, Dr. Harvey, and I'd like to thank Irene for answering the phones. And to everyone out there, stay healthy, take care. Y'all are Thanks, the greatest. Bill. You bet. You have been listening to the Healthy Steps Radio Show with Dr. Fred Harvey here on WMNF Tampa. Coming right on up is five minutes of NPR news and then get sustainable living show hosted by the Cracker Jack team of Kenny Coogan and Annie Ellis. And until next Monday at 10 a.m., thank you for supporting and listening to the Healthy Steps Radio Show with Dr. Fred Harvey here on WMNF Tampa, your community conscious radio station. Stay safe, stay thoughtful, and know that you are loved.